hear a, hear a young lady screaming on the aisle. So she's when I get to the aisle, she's laid out. You can see some milk on the floor and a little skid mark. So we're like, get a chair, hope everything is okay. Da -da -da -da. I gently lift her up, trying to walk her to the back room. All of a sudden, my meat manager runs up and it's like, Mr. Edwards, lock her ass. <laughs> no, you fine. Go oh. ahead. We, we uh, can censor if we need to. <laughs> uh, lock her up. I ain't got no sponsors. Lock her up. Lock her up. He said, he, because he has the, the glass back there. Two way. She poured the milk on the aisle, rubbed her feet through it, and sat on the floor when nobody was, when she looked on both ends of the aisle to make sure nobody was looking, and sat on the floor. Like she fell. Like she fell. Okay, got you. To immediately see if she could sue us for some money. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we're back with another episode of the Instincts Podcast. I got a special guest in the building. He doesn't know this, but first of all, what's up, man? I got a lot of love and respect for you, as you know. We go back 20, 20 plus years. 20 plus years. But the question that I always ask everybody on the show, the Instincts Podcast is real simple. It's about turning trials and tribulations into celebrations. Okay. A lot of people see us and we make it and they think that we've never been through anything. So the opening question is always, what is the most challenging? arguably the most challenging thing in life you've had to overcome. But here's the caveat. How did you overcome it? Mm. Uh, two. First one was um, being told overnight that we're moving from Jamaica to America. Right? When overnight. I was 14. Okay. Right? So just, just up and leaving your friends and moving to, to a whole nother country. Wow. Right? So having to adapt to that situation. Um, how did I overcome it? You just made best of what the situation was, you know what I mean? Okay. So, you know, getting getting accustomed to a whole new culture, new way of doing things, new friends. Um, so that was that. I would say that was be the most challenging. Okay. Right. And then I said the next one would be transitioning from corporate to full entrepreneurship. Man. Okay. Well, we got somebody here that hey, this is gonna be fun because I love talking to entrepreneurs. I'm checking you out. And I love the fact that you experienced some early. Would you say that the, the move from Jamaica to the States, at the time, was it shocking? Or in retrospect, it, like, did it affect you in a positive way eventually? Or you went through a long spell where that messaged you for a long time? I, I would say it took me a, a while to, to get readjusted. Okay. You know what I mean? Um, cultural differences. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, I always tell people I never understood or knew what racism was until I moved here. In Jamaica, you're just Jamaican. <laughs> right. White, black, Chinese. It don't matter. Just Jamaican. Right. right. And I had friends of all ethnicities. In Jamaica. In Jamaica. Okay. Um, and I think when I moved here, it was the culture shock of separatism that was... Hey, what is this? Yeah. Like, why? <laughs> well, we got to... Okay, we got to tackle that. We got to tackle that. Because um, I've been to Jamaica a few times, but I, and, and everybody's so cool and laid back, and I love it. And then you get to America and it's fast paced and everybody's hustling and, and, and I'm not saying they don't hustle in Jamaica. Mm -hmm. I mean, trust me, y'all be hustling. But <laughs> here, the, the classism and the caste system and the racism, all these isms, how did, what's the earliest incident you had to let you know that the isms, the isms are here in the States that you didn't deal with back there? What's the earliest thing you can remember dealing with? <laughs> So week three of moving to the U.S., well, I, I have to preface it, preface it right? Okay. So my sister was getting ready to go to college. And so the reason we moved is so my parents could come here 
to get U.S. currency to help pay for her college tuition. Okay. Okay. okay? So we did a house swap. So my parents did a house swap with a Jewish family, the Stearns, right? Okay. Who lived on Hollywood Boulevard. So you got to remember, this is 1983. Hollywood Boulevard, Hollywood Boulevard? Hollywood Boulevard, Hollywood Boulevard in Florida. In oh, Hollywood, okay. In Hollywood, Florida. <laughs> okay, gotcha. Okay, okay. But nice, nice. Still. Real nice Absolutely. area. Yeah. No black families. Okay. We did a house swap. So they were retired of retirement age. They wanted to come to Jamaica and just relax. Oh, that's crazy. My parents needed to work, so we decided to do a house swap. Okay. Right? So my second week coming from school, my parents are already out working. I'm 14. I get off the bus. I walk to the house. I walk in the house. I'm settled in. That's where I live now. And five minutes later, I hear banging on the front door. Sirens in the back, come out with your hands up. And I'm like confused. I'm 14. Three weeks there. Open the front door, and before I could say anything, I get snatched out of the door and put on the floor with guns to my head. We got them, is what I hear. I'm like, hold on, what's going on? What's going on? <laughs> it's crazy. I'm like, I live here. And I, I distinctly remember one of the officers laughing, like, he wants us to believe he lives here. Wow. Right? So once they stood me up, I explained everything. And they were like, I said, look, you can come in the house. We got pictures. We got furniture. <laughs> we got stuff. It's, it's crazy that you even have to prove this stuff. We got stuff. Yeah. So that was my, oh, that was my welcoming. To America. To America. And I, and, it, and I don't know if you've ever had a, something, a weapon pointed to your head. It's not a good feeling. No, not at all. Right. So I, that stuck with me for a while. I remember my mom having a... <laughs> I mean, she came down to the police station and raised living. Were you there by yourself? At the house at the time. At the house at the time. Yeah. 14 year old by yourself. At the how house. many cops, roughly? How, how, about how many? I would can... say there were two well, cars well, in the back and maybe two out front. So probably it was a total of probably about five to six officers. And what did they think happened? Like, in other words, did somebody so call the police? A neighbor called and said, hey, burglar, burglar. Black guy just walked into this house. Did you get an apology? I mean, not today. I, not today, I was though. 14, so to be honest, I don't know what the apology really looked like. <laughs> right. Right? I bet your mom I'm sure got my mom got one. <laughs> right. Right? I know my mom and my dad got one. Right. Right. Dang. But now here's the funny part. They used to, after that, they would go by, wave at me, and blow, blow the horn. I, I mean, I was known now. Right. <laughs> that's the black right. guy that lives Man, on yeah. Hollywood Boulevard. Man, that's right? crazy. That's but crazy. But it, it was an experience. Yeah. You know you, what I mean? You think it affected your relationship with cops now? Or, or for maybe not now, but for a while, did you look at law enforcement different? For a while, I did look at it different. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. It, it was a it was a it was a scary experience at fourteen. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it, it kind of crafted the way I, I viewed things. Right. I just knew that I needed to be. It, it was. It put it this way. It was an um, an awakening. Absolutely. The way you used to travel before is not the way you can travel now. Here, obviously, with all these isms. Yeah. So it was just a, a, a different experience so the, the whole um one of the show's concepts is we start with that story then we go to the end and show everybody where you're at now then we walk backwards okay. to the story so let's jump to the successful side so what we do now is one of the formats for the show is we jump to the end and kind of let everybody get a sneak peek of what you're doing now okay. so we can help them understand how you can serve them who you may need um i mean who what kind of services you have that can help them get further in life. And then we're going to walk backwards and talk about Jamaica and that kind of stuff. Okay. So after all of that, 14 year old experience, the isms coming from cool, laid back Jamaica, where everything is iry to having these cops pull guns on you because you're black. What you doing now? So now I, um, I, I work with a company called Legal Shield. 
So I run a, a, I'm the Southeast Regional Trainer, so I have five states wow. that I'm responsible for, you know, working with their field trainers. Okay. And then I have an independent associate agreement with them where I market Legal Shield as a benefit for companies and their employees. Okay, nice. So would it be safe to say one of the things you've mastered is this sales game? I've done okay with it. You know, I sold books door to door for two summers in, in college. So, Did you really? Uh, I sold encyclopedias door to door two summers in a row. You the guy that came to the house <laughs> that we may or may not want to answer. Yep. You sold books door to door? I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, I see you got a ring on. Uh, what does that mean? So with our company, well, with our team, Team New Vision, okay. uh, once you've earned over a million dollars in commissions, hit the, 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 high um, the highest performance position, Platinum. Absolutely. And maintained it for a certain amount of time and helped other people get hit six figures. They give you that ring. They give you that ring. So on the team, uh, it has your name and the number. So I'm the 18th millionaire on the team. Nice. Yeah, and our motto is faith, family, and finance. Now, I know a little something about Team New Vision. Growing up, I looked up to a gentleman named Donnell Self. Yep. Team New Vision. Do you think Donnell will come do my show, man? Yeah. I mean, Donnell, come on, man. I mean, I'm just, I'm just saying, can you come to the podcast? I'll make a call for you. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm messing with Donnell. I love Donnell, man. I have, growing up, it was a few teams you heard about in the industry. It was a few people that I looked up to that I said, one day I aspire to be that successful. And he, by far, was one of them, man. Yeah. So if you got a ring on from Team New Vision, trust me, it's well-deserved. And you got some great, 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 great mentorship. And shout out to Donnell Self and that whole organization, man. For, Wonderful for family. Leading the way, right? It's crazy. Yeah. So, okay. So let's go back to Jamaica real quick. Talk to me about growing up in Jamaica, a child growing up in Jamaica versus a child growing up here in the States. What was it like growing up back home? What, do you, what aspects of it do you miss? So I, I think what was most memorable is, first of all, we all wore uniforms. To school? To school. Okay. It was even public school. Even public school. Yeah. So what that did is you didn't know who was rich or who was poor. Mm -hmm. You didn't know who was middle class or who was lower class. Based on what they're rocking. Well, based on what they rock. Because right. everybody rocked the same thing. Right? <laughs> right. So what it allowed you to do was to be friends with people of every level. Mm. So it got you the opportunity to experience different situations. I may get invited over to the rich kid's house. Gotcha. Yeah, because they don't know. They don't know. Right. And, right. and, they, and they shouldn't. But then I get to experience the rich dad. Gotcha. You understand what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah. So it, it, was a, it was a good um, system, in my opinion, mm -hmm. to where um, the prejudgments never really occurred. Yeah, that's amazing. You that's know? amazing. And what, and what is it about, um, you know, when we visit, we always talk, we go there to vacation because of the laid back, cool culture. What is it about the culture where everybody's just, nobody's in a rush? Is that just, is that just? That's just the way the country is. So, you know, the motto of Jamaica is out of many, one people. Out of many, one people. Yeah. Okay. So even though there are many, we all come together to be one. Mm. Out of many, one people. Gotcha. Right? Um, it's all about work ethic. Okay. You know, they always said Jamaicans have three jobs. <laughs> is right. that true? You feel like, is it is stereotype? Is it kind of true? They say all stereotypes are based on a little truth. It's a little truth. Right. right. We, Hard work. We have a strong work ethic. Absolutely. Let me put it that. The country has a strong work ethic. Um, and so it's just, it's just, but the reason everybody is, it, it seems laid back is because we, we're, we're working for different things. Right. So I think most, I won't say most, but you'll find that there's a good population that work for material things. Mm. Right. Mm. Where c growing up, I don't think we were really so much working for material things. We were just working to live better. 
Got you. I got you. If that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So yeah. it was just a different, different vibe. So we, it wasn't, you know, at the end of the day, everything all right though. No matter what you had, everything was all right. Everything is all right. Everything all right. Everything I remember. Everything I remember. I'll tell you a funny story. I'll tell you my funny Jamaica story real quick. Right. So I'm in Jamaica. What's the motto again? Out of many one people. Out of many one people. So I'm in Jamaica. A lot of people don't know this. So I'm in Jamaica one day. And a friend of mine had a, um, we, we uh, rented jet skis. Okay. And it was three of us. It was actually four of us. It was uh, three young ladies, me, five of us, three young ladies, me, and a gentleman that I was in an organization with, right? So rent jet skis. And I forgot what happened, but long story short, when it was time to turn them back in, the fee that we were quoted was different than the fee that he asked for, right? Now, I'm not saying he was hustling, but it, let's just put it this way. It was a different fee. So, young lady calls me over. She's like, Brian, you know, I thought we said XYZ number. He's talking about XYZ number, and he's upset. He wasn't iry, okay? He was, he was, he was high strong. So, when he got high strong, high strong, I got high strong because I thought he was trying to take advantage of my friend. So I'm like, look, we ain't paying. So whatever you want to do, you can take these jet skis. I'm snapping, right? I'm, I'm, I'm pissed because I, I went calm and cool, but he got hot strong. I got hot strong. Then some just said, just look around. So I'm like, look, we ain't going to take it. We ain't doing this. We ain't doing that. We ain't paying. And I noticed all the doors and windows just started to open. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody that lived in that area started coming outside. And I was like, you know what? It ain't even that serious. It ain't that serious. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> How much you say you want, bro? It ain't that serious. I'm going to take, take these little funky dollars, bro. When I tell y'all looked up, and his homeboy, his uncles, his aunts, his whole, family, whole family, his cousins, the island, everybody came down like, I know we ain't got no problems. I'm like, look, man, it ain't even that serious, bro. How much you say you wanted for them, ski, them jet skis again? <laughs> when I tell you, I never see, I've never seen a group of people come together like that. That fast. Yeah. That fast. And in my, and me being irate and, you know, upset, I didn't notice it until somebody said, man, somebody was like, Brian, chill out for a minute, man. Look, look up for a minute. I was like, oh, okay, here you go, bro. How much is the extra $25? Don't even worry about it. <laughs> I've seen y'all come together yeah. and I've seen the unity like firsthand. And that was on some, like, it was, it was like some old street stuff. So, what type of values did you bring from there here? But it's the same thing when we move. So if you if you if you, you think about it, an island as small as Jamaica, I don't care where you go, you're gonna find Jamaicans. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Think about crazy. that. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. And it's a it's a tight-knit community. Yeah. Like, if I know you're a plumber and you're Jamaican, I'm coming to you before I go outside to find a plumber. Mm. So y'all stick together, like most cultures should. Yeah. Yeah, got you. Not that we discriminate discriminate against anybody else. Right. But, but we definitely want to support our own first if yeah, we can. Absolutely. Now, if there's not a Jamaican plumber around, then I'll just go find a plumber. Right. Who's the best plumber? Right. But if I know there's one of Jamaican descent, I would probably prefer to reinvest in that person. Gotcha. To make sure that their family's okay also. Beautiful concept, man. I wish everybody was like that. Yeah. So okay, so we come to the States. First of all, was it was it overnight? Was it an overnight surprise because your sister got accepted? It wasn't just Overnight, right? But I mean, but, it was a short time frame. It was like, hey, we moving in a few <laughs> <laughs> for your sister's education, right? Okay, got you. Mm -hmm. And you get here, and I heard you say you start selling encyclopedias. Well, I didn't start selling encyclopedias. Like my first job was a, a bagger at Publix. Yes. So I started bagging groceries when I was fourteen years old at public supermarkets. Now, fast forward and tell them how long you ended up staying there and what you ended up doing after bagging groceries. Uh, Twenty-seven years with them, sixteen years in management. 
he ended up running, he ended up going from bagging groceries at Publix to having his own, you're the manager of the whole store. Yeah, last store I had was doing uh, about 400,000 a week, 120 employees. And you had to manage all of that? I had to manage all of that. The front, the back? Shoot, the biggest store I had was doing over 600 a week. 600 grand? A week. thousand a week, yeah. What's the hardest what's the hardest thing about managing something like that? Like like what what is something most, most of us don't know about that? Managing people. <laughs> <laughs> is this is it still really boils down to the people? It still boils down to the people. It, it, I, I tell anybody if you're running any kind of company, any kind of business where it involves more than yourself, pick the right people. That's the tough part. The the, the most successful stores I had was finding people that were better than me. Wow. Twenty six years you ended up doing it. Uh, Give so, me a, give me a funny give me a funny uh, public story. A cust- give me a funny customer story. Give me something I wouldn't believe, Brian. You wouldn't believe what happened one day. Or I remember the time I went to work, and by the time I got home, you got to give me a funny public story. I know you got a funny public story. Yeah. Mm. Did you catch somebody trying to steal some okay. sausage? Uh, shoplifter. Oh, I got figured. All right. So <laughs> okay. I hear a, hear a young lady screaming on the aisle. <gasps> so she's when I get to the aisle, she's laid out. You can see some milk on the floor and a little skid mark. So we're like, get a chair, hope everything is okay. Da-da-da-da. I gently lift her up, trying to walk her to the back room. All of a sudden, my meat manager runs up and it's like, Mr. Edwards, lock her ass. <laughs> no, you fine. Go oh. ahead. We, we can censor if we need to. Uh, lock her up. I ain't got no sponsors yet. Lock her up. Lock said, her what? up. He said, he, because he has the, the glass back there. Two way. She poured the milk on the aisle. Rubbed her feet through it and sat on the floor when nobody was, when she looked on both ends of the aisle to make sure nobody was looking and sat on the floor. Like she fell. Like she fell. Okay, got you. To immediately see if she could sue us for some money. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so it does happen. People do try to do it. Sue USA. Sue USA. That's funny. All right, so you said shoplifting. You got a funny shoplifting story. That was a lawsuit story. Uh-huh. You got a funny shoplifting story. Funny shoplifting. I mean, I have had several shoplifters. Really? Do people really think they can get away with it? Oh, yeah. They actually get away with it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and they put it all kind of shoot. I'll tell you a funny one. A lady came in, we thought she was pregnant. And not because her stomach looked as such. But uh She didn't come pregnant. Look closely and you notice that she was stuffing stuff where her supposedly where the baby, baby would be. Really? So she had a little compartment she was built up that it she can just slide it down or slide it down and make sure that uh she would fill it up. Y'all caught her. Caught her. Yeah. Man, this yeah. is nuts. So, okay, so run me. Let's go now to, to the sales thing. How do we go from, because the second craziest moment for you was transitioning out of corporate America into entrepreneurship. What makes that so scary? Other than the obvious, like the bills, so, like am I ready? Well, the obvious is the guaranteed money. You know, exactly. you have a corporate job, you got guaranteed money. Exactly. You got guaranteed health insurance. Right. Right? Um... When you're thinking about entrepreneur, it's, it's, you got to hunt. Right. <laughs> and I know it. Right? Right. So luckily for me, I was in a network marketing system. And I had built my network marketing company up to where it was matching my full-time income. Okay. Got but you. I still was earning six figures in corporate and six figures at the same time in network marketing. Gotcha. For at least three more years before I walked away. Wow. Because I was that n- nervous about uh, making sure. Making sure. Yeah. What, when, did you, when did you know it was okay and it was time? Like, you know what? Because I've always said when this money that I'm making part-time not only surpasses what I'm making full-time, but if I feel like the full-time is now keeping me from making more. I knew it was you? time when I would walk with my district manager and while he was speaking, it would sound like Charlie Brown. Yeah. 
you weren't even there. I wasn't even there. Yeah. I was like, let me leave before I get fired. Exactly. I did the same thing. Yeah, I did the same right? thing, for real. Let me they leave got, on, they let called me, me making copies. And... Yeah, let me, leave on, <laughs> let me leave on good terms. Yeah, for sure. You know what I mean? Okay, I got yeah, you. Yeah, the minute, the minute I realized I was checked out, you know, when you're physically there, but you're mentally somewhere else. Of course. I was checked out. Wow. You know, well, one of the reasons I was checked out is um, I was the person that they would ask to go take a store and get it right. I would get it right. Then they'd move me to get another store right while somebody else would come in and get the bonus. So you start feeling used. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? I got passed over for a district manager position twice um, that I thought I was qualified for. Right. So I was just like, you know, I'm not going to play this game anymore. So talk to my network marketers. Those, of, those individuals out there, they're in their product company, they're in their service company, they're in their travel company, they're in their finance company, whatever they're in. How did you climb the ranks? It's not overnight, but what are some things that you find are um, almost guaranteed your road to success in network marketing? Follow the system. Okay. I don't care what company you're with, if there's a system to success, if there are people that have had success using that system, follow the system. The problem is most people don't want to do it. Network marketing, not net. Everybody just wants to get a net Chill. profit but don't want to do any work. Right, right. So There's the first thing you got to do is embrace the fact that it is a business. It is a business. And it's whatever the system is that they have created, our system at the time was you invite people to come hear a live presentation. Period. Or you do something at your house and invite people over to listen to it. Right. You can't sell something that people don't know about. Right. So people would join companies and say, I do this, but they'd never present what this is to somebody. How do you sell it if you haven't presented what this is? Right. So what kind of system did y'all run? Like, in other words, what's a successful flow for a person starting right now in network marketing? We're going we're gonna to get to sales in a second. Okay. In network marketing, what's a... So when I was coming up, it was weekly meetings. Okay. So I was very good at inviting guests to come hear the information. Okay. Right. Once the information was presented, they would sign up, and then your your goal is to get those that signed up to invite their guests. Gotcha. So it's it's duplication. Duplication, right? The good news now is that anybody was joining now. Whatever what it took me ten years to do, I can have somebody do it in two years. Because of social media, social media, YouTube, Zoom. we didn't come up, we didn't have all this stuff. Think about it. When you and I, right, low yeah, connect. Yeah, uh, low connect. Remember that? Oh, God. <laughs> did, I, did I hit a nerve? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> it started Don't with talk you. Talk about it. It started with me. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Your first note marketing company was with me? No, I had, my sister did Amway. So I watched my sister do Amway before. Okay. But the one that I, my first, me personally really engaging was with, with you and low connect. That is crazy. You and Simone Burnside. Me and Simone Burnside. Yep. Now Simone Webster. Yep. Morning, Mom. Morning, Mom. Okay, so yeah. yeah, absolutely. You were working at Publix at the time. Working at Publix. So, what are some common mistakes you see people make in network marketing that prohibit their success? Other than not following the system, like what is something that you say, man, people would just stop doing this? Inconsistency. Yeah. And and not only that, getting to one level and thinking you don't have to do the basics. Mm. I'm a manager now. I'm a manager my team. Right. Just make sure they do what they're supposed to do. No, you still got to do what you did to get the manager to go to the next level. Absolutely. You still got to invite. You stop inviting because you think your team is going to invite. Right. Uh, always be in a replacement system. Got you. How did you go from being a, um, an associate in the field to corporate? How'd you, how did you parlay that? So I'm not in corporate. Okay. I'm, I, I, I've just been asked to train. So I have a, a separate contract just to, to help facilitate training. Got you. On the southeast. In the southeast. Right. So with, with our system, there's, there's a direct selling. Okay. And then there's a network marketing. Oh, gotcha. That's true. The membership itself can right. go to So the different. membership itself can be taken to companies as a benefit. Got you. Right? So, for example, okay. City of Atlanta has it as a payroll deduct benefit. 
Grady Hospital has an abatable benefit. So you can take the legal shield benefit and just take it out of the company. So we have people that do a million a year just doing direct sales, no team building, nothing. Just direct sales, just got like, you. Right. Got so, you. so you help run that. So I'm responsible for training the trainers that go out and train the people that join the business that want to do that. Got you. Now, that's awesome, man. You got kind of the best of both worlds in that regard. Yeah. And let me just say this to everybody. <clears throat> and I'm saying this, and I'm not a, a, a representative for Legal Shell. When I tell you everybody needs it, bro, I don't know why more people don't spend. Uh, I don't know if I'm grandfather or whatever. Mine is $34.95. Is it still $34.95? So you have the legal and the identity theft protection? Yeah. Yeah. So, you, yeah. So, yeah. Why, why don't more people understand at some point you need a lawyer? Oh, so it's crazy to me to, that you have to convince people. Well, first of all, if you just do the basics, get a will. Get a will. Right? Yeah. So we know that 40, 44% of the population right now don't have a will. 76% of the black population don't have a will. So that tells me that everything we work for, we give back. When it's over, the uh, probate will take it. All probate's going to take it. Yeah. So your family, your kids don't inherit Nothing. Whatever it is you put all your life into, right? Yeah. So let's start there. The average attorney is going to charge you $800, $2,000. Just to write it up. Just to write it up. Yep. You get a Legal Shield membership, we do it for free, right? So every two weeks, I do a live will workshop. Okay. It's free. Just log in, register. I go through explaining what a will is, difference between trust and estate, mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and give you a free will questionnaire that you can fill out. Mm -hmm. And take to any attorney and get your your will done. Exactly. Now, if you're with Legal Shield, of course you get it done for free because we yeah. do yours and your spouse and update it every year at no charge. Yeah, right. So it just makes sense. What I also say is if why everyone should have a, a you know going back to my story, you wonder why people always ask me, well, why have you stuck with Legal Shield for 20 plus years? It goes back to my story. How? So one of the features we have is a little red button on your phone. It protects your Miranda rights. So if you ever get pulled over, you press this little red button, and by the time an officer gets to the car, you already have an attorney on the line. 24-hour access in an emergency situation. Press a red button on my phone. On your app. It automatically dial into the law firm. I ain't do that yet. So here's, here's the crazy part. I'm in Chicago one day. Uh, my business partner, Mel Robinson from Chicago, invites me to come do what we call a Super Saturday. Yeah. Doing an event up there. And there's a lady in the back of the room with tears in her eyes. So when I'm done presenting, she walks up to us and she says, Mr. Edwards, if you do me a favor, don't ever stop talking to people about what you do. She says, I can only imagine what the difference would have been had my daughter had your services. Oh, no. Sandra Bland's mother. Oh, no. So if you remember that case, Sandra yeah. Bland pulled over in Texas. Yeah. Officer, officer started getting outrageous. She got outrageous back. He pulls her out of the car, arrests her. Three days later, she's dead. She's dead, yep. Right? Man. But think about it. When you have a traffic stop, we always think we're the nervous ones, but think about a cop walking up on a strange car at night. Not knowing what's going on. Not yeah. knowing who, what, or what's in the car. Yeah. Would they not be nervous? They're nervous too, with okay. guns. You're nervous, so you got two nervous people yeah. Yeah. about to interact with each other. Yeah. That's a touchy situation. Absolutely. Any wrong move on either end could cause a situation. Absolutely. But what if when you walked up to the car, someone said, hey, sir, this is the attorney from so-and-so. Just want you to know I'm listening in. Because you already hit the button. You already hit the button. As an officer, even if the person did wrong, I can write the ticket. But I'm thinking to myself, nine times out of ten, if this person has an attorney on the line, my life is okay. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? It shouldn't escalate. It shouldn't escalate. Right. As the person in the car, 
I should be able to feel a little calmer knowing that there's a second party that is listening in on the situation that would deter that person from acting a fool. Correct. So win-win situation. So if you have teenage drivers or kids, like my kids have been using Legal Shield ever since, that's the first thing I taught them when they got in the car. You press this red button. If you don't, if if I'm not around and something happens, you press that button before you call me. Right. Right. Are we and we guarantee somebody gonna pick up no matter what time? Guarantee. Twenty four hours, seven days a week. Somebody's in rotation. Always have three lawyers on on call. Wow. Man, these days I'm just afraid that when I reach for the phone, the way these guys act. Hey, hold on, let me hit this. That's why you do it as soon as you see the light. By the time they get to the car, don't even wait. By the time they get to the car, I just, already, hey, officer, I just want you to know me and my partner. We talking to me and my partner today. We're all right. We're on the phone together. We're on the phone together. That's a dope feature, man. Yeah. And I and I, I want to educate as many people as possible. Number one, let's make sure these wills and trusts and uh, things are intact so that we don't leave this planet without leaving something. If you don't have it in place, you leave it up to the state for them to make a decision as to what happened to, what happens with everything you built. And nine times out of ten, they want a piece of it. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So if it's not written out who gets it all, they get some. That's crazy, man. <laughs> and I decide how much of the sum they get. Oh, wow. That's crazy. That's crazy. So, okay, so that's the first thing. Now, so I, I'm, I'm a, just so you know, I'm a big advocate of that. Second thing. Sales. Okay. Right. We talked about tips and network marketing. We gave the networkers some tips. Follow the system. Don't get in management mode. Don't build your team and think all of a sudden you can just watch them always stay in phase one. Sales. Like most people are afraid of sales, man. What is it that allowed you to not only become great in sales, but now teach sellers how to sell? What is it? What's the what, what do you have that most people like? So I think most of the problem is most people call it sales. <laughs> okay. When it should be considered what? Sharing. I share information. Got you. Got you. Right? So sales is real simple. First of all, know what it is your product or service does. Your product, your service, your course. What does it do? Okay. Right? Right. Two, what problem does it solve? Absolutely. Right? Three, who has that problem? What, what does it do? No, what do you have? Mm-hmm. What problem does it solve? Who has that problem? Simple. And then number four is... Connect the two. Okay. Got it. So you have a young child, a son. Okay. Right? Yep. Fair to say that if your son was driving, you would want him to be protected. Absolutely. Right? Right. That would be your problem. Right. I would talk to you about, hey, we know what today's society is. If there was something that could protect your son if he was ever pulled over or found himself in the wrong place with the wrong people, would that be of any value to you? Yes, absolutely. Great. Let me tell you about this Legal Shield membership. Gotcha. For twenty nine ninety five a month, we protect your entire family, including your son, and we give him access to that. And guess what? There's a slew of other benefits that come with it. Absolutely. You can consult with an attorney, right? You get your will done. If you ever get audited, you have a tax attorney to sit down with you and go to audit. If you or your son get a speeding ticket, just take a picture on your app, send it to a law firm, they'll go to court for you. Crazy. I, I tell people all the time, man, I don't know why more people don't get this. Because I became good at sharing, not selling, but sharing, I mean, if you become good at sharing, you will never go broke. But you not only that, broke. And, and the problem is we're so eager to get a sale that we vomit on people. Too much. We run up there and sell. I, I tell you where I learned it. So when my son was being born, I was driving a Toyota Supra, two-door Toyota Supra. Obviously not a family car. <laughs> so I, I, was, I was encouraged to get a different car. So I go to this Ford dealership and I pull up and it just so happens I park by the Mustangs. 
And before I even fully get out of the car, a guy walks up to me and says, man, that's you right there. <laughs> he points at a Mustang. He's like, man, that's you right there all day, man. What I got to do to get you into that car? Wow. I was so turned off. I got right back in my car and drove off. I drove half the way down to the other side of Atlanta to Thornton Chevrolet. And I'll never forget, it's a guy named Don Richardson that came out. Okay. So happens I parked by the Mustangs again, not even thinking about it. I walk out, I stand up, and Don Richardson walks up to me. He says, he says, hey, sir, just wanted to introduce myself. My name is Don Richardson. He says, look, we may not have what you need today, but if you have any questions, just let me know. Hmm. May not have what I need. <laughs> <laughs> no. He pulled you in. I'm already off the hook. Yeah. All right, yeah. Bye. I can look for free. Right, right, right. right? right. I'm not going to be bothered. So I, I, I was next to um, ex, not, uh, yeah, Expedition. And I said, Don, let me ask you a question. He says, hey, before you ask me, can I ask you a few questions? He says, tell me a little bit about your situation. Let me see if I can help. Okay. I said, well, I'm getting ready to have a child, my first child. You know, I definitely want to have something that would give us more space, you know, with a child involved. He says to me, he says, well, looked on your, based on your height. Uh, no, he says, um, obviously, I may be wrong, but you don't look like the minivan type. <laughs> I said, you're definitely right there. He says, okay, so we can scratch minivans off. Okay. He says, let me show you the ex, ex, um, Expedition. He says, it's a great family car. It can hold more. There's a little room in the trunk. But he says, but based on your height, and if it's in your budget, we do have what we call the Expedition. <laughs> okay. So he showed it me. Size you up. Size me up. Right. He says... Would you be interested in taking a look at that? It would give you more leg room. I say, yeah. Guess what? I walked out of there with that day. You got the expedition. Fully loaded. <laughs> the difference between him and the first guy, pushy, salesy, quota filling. He figured out what I needed. Yeah. What was my need, right? And then gave me options. Right. Absolutely. And that's really what it boils down to. That's all it is. Figure out what the person needs and provide And, and provide them the options. Alternative choices. Alternative choices. Yeah. We complicate stuff that's not complicated. That's crazy, man. When I was in college, coming out of college, a young lady, I was in an interview, and she goes, I never forget. Sell me this pen. That's exactly how she said it. Mm -hmm. uh, I was interviewing, I think, with Eli Lilly. It's a pharmaceutical company. And she's like, I see on your resume, you got all these sales, this sales experience. Because I started network marketing my sophomore year in college. So by the time I graduated, I had two years of what she calls sales experience. So I put it on my resume. She was like, sell me this pen. I said, well, first let me ask you, what kind of pen do you write with uh, right now? She looked, because she, what she expected me to do was sell her the pen. Mm -hmm. And the first thing I did was ask a question. What kind of pen do you write with now? She's like, really? She's like, this one? I said, well, do you prefer blue or black ink? She's like, blue? I said, well, what kind of price budget, what kind of uh, budget do you have for the ink pens? You want to stay in the big range or you want to go up here to the Mach Blanc? She was like, I would hire you, but she, I, I, I destroyed her. Yeah. I destroyed her. And she got such an attitude. She found a reason not to hire me because she wasn't expecting me to respond the way, the way I did. did. But in that moment, I also learned I don't need a job. <laughs> in that moment, I learned in that moment. I said, you know what? I don't need a job. Yeah. If I can piss the interviewer off so much that she hates my skill set, I must have something valuable that she didn't even want, you know, to be, to, that she didn't even want to be around. She was probably thinking, this dude's going to take my job. This dude, this, I, 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 intimi I intimidated the interviewer. I actually did. This dude's going to have my job in a year. And I want, I, want, yeah, I want everybody listening to understand, if you ask the right questions and you fill the void, 
and you learn how to share, not sell, you would never go broke. Never go broke. You would never go broke. So what are some things that people do? Um, how can we take it? How can they take this? What are some things they can do to take it to the next level? So we got the basics, right? Find the need and fill it. Mm-hmm. Find out what the problem is. Um, share, don't sell. But now how do we, how do we scale it? Does, is that same approach good if it's big or small? Is that concrete no matter what you're selling? How it's do we get bigger? Much, it's pretty universal. Okay. Right? Okay. On every level. It just depends. Again, what is your customer seeking? Okay, got And you. do you have that solution? All right. And sometimes your, your, your best sale is referrals. I was going to ask you. Yeah, that's what I, I guess that's what I there, meant. There's a, there's How a do we point. Tap into the yeah, yeah, so there's a, you, you may come across a customer when you finish asking the right questions, you'll realize your product's not really what they need. Okay. Right? And the worst disservice you can do is sell it to them anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Because now unhappy, you have. They got unhappy. Think about it. Your happy customers talk less about being happy about your product then your unhappy customers talk about being unhappy. <laughs> right. They're going to tell everybody. They're going to tell everybody. <laughs> right. Right. Now, you may name a restaurant and be like, hey, don't go there. They're going to tell you. They're going to tell right, you. Right. Why, man? That one experience I <laughs> That had. one experience, right? right? Right. So be very careful. I, I, I always tell people, not everyone is your customer and be happy with that. Got you. Your yeah. goal is to find out who's the person that has the need for what you have. Okay. And talk to that person. Okay. Right. Hmm. If you have a person who you've determined can may not need your product or service, but let's say they know a lot of people. I get this all the time, mm-hmm. but they know a lot of people. How do we pivot beyond you to get to the people you know? Or how do we get those referrals? Or do we? If you can. Okay. Brian, would you do me a favor? Okay. Yes. We're in business now. Right. Just because I gave you a yes. You give me a yes. Okay. Look, I know what I do is not a value to you. But you know some people that it might be just very valuable to. Okay. What I would like to ask, if you ever come across someone, I know you're a gentleman that already has your estate and everything in order, but you may know of some people that have yet to get their will done, a basic thing like a will, right? Right. Or may have some kids away at college that aren't fully protected, right? Right. If you ever come across someone, would you be kind enough to give me a referral? Absolutely. I mean, I can't go wrong with that. All you got to do is ask for it. Ask the questions, man. Pearls. I don't know why more people don't start. Don't, so don't, it's funny you say that. So people always ask me, well, Matt, you know, Mr. Edwards, you need to train us on cold calling. I said, look, I'm the wrong person. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I just. <laughs> that's not my thing. That's not my thing. I don't know why. I built my entire business off of referrals. Yes. Lukewarm. If you got three kinds of people, warm market, common market, cold market. And these days you have the Internet and social media. We all have friends in common. I can look at your whole profile, see how many kids you got, see where you're from, see what school you went to, see some of your hobbies. Why in the world in the year, in this decade, would we cold call anybody when I got something called social media that can connect me with 5,000 to 3 million people and I know more about you than you know about yourself? So you can go on LinkedIn and you put somebody's name and it's going to tell you who y'all got in common. Right, exactly. I don't understand the whole cold call concept. It's just a, it's just a outdated way of thinking. Yeah, pretty much. So, what kind of product you got? What's your product? What's your program? So, I have an online sales course. Okay. So, it's stair steps, Alistair. Right? Stair. Come on. Stair steps. Come through, Alistair. <laughs> Alistair steps. Stair steps to sales. <laughs> okay. Go. Stair steps to sales. Right. So, it's a 13 module course. Okay. Online. So, I take you from, you know, from the very start of sales, understanding the sales philosophy. Um, prospecting, right? How to how to negotiate with a customer, how to build a relationship, how to get the sale, and then how to cultivate the sale to get referrals. 
So the whole step, 13 different modules. Got you. And can my audience get a discount, 10%? Your audience can get a 10% discount. So we'll come up, if they put Pondcast, P-O-N-D-Cast, or better yet, Instincts. You want we'll Instincts? Create, let's do Instincts. Okay, so we'll create Instincts. We'll do Instincts, put a code, we'll put it down here, or up here, or over here, or down below. Wherever you're watching this, we'll put it somewhere in the, <laughs> in the bio. Yep. We'll get a 10% discount, man. And I want people to learn these skills that you have, because for you to go from a six-figure job, high six-figure job, to, no, let's start off. For you to go from um, selling encyclopedias <laughs> to a six-figure job, to both, to a seven-figure career in network marketing, to now teaching sellers how to sell. That's something a lot of people can't do, man. I appreciate it. And that. I'm super, just to know that we go back all those years, I'm super excited to see that you now have your own program. And I think people really, really will have a lot, could benefit from what you have. Man. I appreciate that. I'm a terrible negotiator, man, real quick. Give no, me some, I'm a, I'm a terrible negotiator. No, you're not. I, I, you know why? Let me tell you why. Tell, help me overcome this real quick. Let me take that back. I'm not a terrible negotiator when it comes to big ticket items. But like, if you have something on Facebook Marketplace and I want it, I really ain't got time to be going back and forth with you. If you want what you're asking for, come on, because I, I got to get out of here. Is that, is that a bad mentality? I ain't going to hack with you. No. But I already know you put more on it because you know I'm, most people are going to try to talk you down. So why am I afraid to talk you down? I think it comes from when I had no money and now that I got a little money. I'm scared to act like I ain't got no money. I was about to say, I don't think you're afraid to talk anybody down. You're just in a position in life where you don't have the time to talk anybody down. That might be it. Your peace is more invaluable. Sometimes peace is worth it. <laughs> the little change. I pay extra for the peace. <laughs> right? And, 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 you know, I don't know what you paid for this wonderful location. Right. But I'm sure there was some negotiation yeah, skills. Yeah, I'm talking about Okay, I'm just saying. So, you know, someone says, I ain't got no negotiation skill sitting on 20 acres of land in the middle of Atlanta. I'm just trying to figure out. Help y'all help me understand. Now nah, we definitely got. I ain't got no negotiation skills. I think <laughs> sitting on the podcast, 20 acres plus in the heart of Atlanta. What? I did negotiate this. I should have took his class. <laughs> <laughs> this is Alistair Edwards, man. Y'all do me a favor. Click the link below if you want to learn how to negotiate. If you want to learn the art of sales. If you want to know how to get over those fears. And I bet you it'll help you any networker as well. It's not for networkers, but it'll help networkers and professionals all together. All together. Yep. Hey, man. Put it all in there. Hey, it's a great day to change lives. All I can say, man, it's a great day to change lives. This could be something special. You coming back? Yeah, of course. I appreciate it, man. Right, I got to get on these ATVs. Hey, it's time to go ride ATVs. <laughs> Alistair Edwards.